Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Online Warriors podcast. I'm Illegal86. I'm joined as always by my good friends, Tactic and Nerd Bomber. It's cold and it's dark and it's winter. Unless you're in the Southern Hemisphere, in which case life is good for you right now. Um, but it's getting colder and darker because we have passed the winter solstice. Right, the equinox. What Do you prefer equinox or solstice? Solstice. I like equinox. I, it sounds more scientific. Equinox? No, now equinox has been forever associated with a, with car. a car. So now I just think of a Chevy and I'm like, oh, well, it's not the winter sponsor. equinox. Yeah, not a sponsor. Yeah, Chevy not I mean, not it's sponsor. just kind of like a mid car. It's not like a... It's not like a hot car or anything like that. A solstice sounds like a pagan ritual. Wasn't there ritual. a Kia solstice, though? It's, no, there, there was a Kia solstice, <laughs> I thought, wasn't I there? I thought it was the Solterra. I, I'm not going to Google this now. It's not worth my Google. I'm, I'm Googling not this. Not a sponsor. Yeah, Kia, also not a sponsor. Uh, people think we've been, we've been purchased by Big right, Auto. It was, it was a Pontiac solstice? Pontiac solstice. Uh, so again, isn't Pontiac owned by GM as well, or wasn't it? Pontiac I was going to say Pontiac's, more, right? Pontiac's gone the way of the dodo. First of all, um, they sponsored. It was us. a fancy car, though. It was like a convertible sports car. Pontiac. I do remember the Pontiac Solstice. Oh my god, the sports car! I wanted one. Wasn't that on my cousin Vinny? No, it well, was, that was a Pontiac Tempest. Yeah. No, it was in like two thousand Need for Speed. Yeah. Like the old Need for Speeds, though. It was in like the early to mid two thousands, and then Pontiac was like. Pontiac made the Aztec, which was in Breaking Bad, and I think like sales of the Aztec went up, and then that was like their last gasp, and then like they just kind of died as a company. But like you said, because they well, sponsored the Aztec the podcast. was a freaking ugly car, though. Yeah, it was like it was in Breaking Bad. I think as like a joke of like, look how bad this car is, and this guy has to drive it because his life is so terrible. And then people bought it because they're like, I want, I want to be Walter White and like destroy my life. Um. Anyways, welcome to the podcast. Uh, we're not going to talk about cars the whole time. Pontiac's gone the way Brought of the dodo. Brought to you by Pontiac. Yeah, they, Pontiac did sponsor this podcast, and that's part of why they went out of business. It was a poor f- fun fact decision for them. You can get a Pontiac Solstice in Oklahoma City for $7,999. What's the mileage? Carfax. Um, I'll get back to you. Uh, 82,000 miles. That's not, okay. honestly not that bad. It's serviceable. It's workable. Uh, we'll look into that. Um, we're going to talk today about the Switch 2, uh, which... Not to be confused with the Switch Pro, which is a different, maybe never to exist thing. We'll get into that. Uh, apparently, due to arrive in 2024, according to some, uh, I don't want to say leakers. This, there's a Nintendo expert basically saying it's coming, so we need all need to prepare for it. We'll get into that. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the fallout from the Emmys. No, sorry, the Emmys haven't happened yet. The Golden Globes. Did you guys watch the Golden Globes? Are you guys Golden Globers? That's not a phrase. No, we're not. I was a. Uh play a football implicationer okay so, yeah no as was i i watched uh some some nfl football like a red-blooded american in my, in my basement um you might even call it a man cave i don't like to call it that uh my wife in the upstairs of our house watched the golden globes uh so i was getting updates on who won the golden globes and also uh, before the actual like proper Golden Globe started, Nick Offerman won the award. We're going to be talking about Nick Offerman. He won an award for best guest, oh, outstanding guest actor in a drama series. Uh, and he had some things to say about what's next for Bill and Frank. So we'll get into that. Uh, we're also going to talk about the Readyverse. And if you don't know what the Readyverse is, yeah, I didn't either until I read about this. And um, 
Some would argue that it's upsetting. I guess for now, we'll leave that one at that. But uh, let's talk Let's talk a little bit about the Switch 2. Now, uh, we've talked, I think, before about what, what may be next for the Switch. Uh, we're getting a little bit more into specifics. We, of course, haven't seen anything direct from Nintendo yet. There are rumors that uh, there were some new hardware shown to ga- uh, developers at Gamescom last year, um, but fans themselves haven't been given anything, certainly not by Nintendo directly, but also not really by anyone else. We're hearing now that the Switch 2 is likely to arrive in 2024. It's likely to have a $400 price point, and I think this is the most important part, at least to me. The games are going to be $70. Um, now, let's talk about inflation. Like any Aren't some of them already, though? Like, yeah, they're $69.99. Are they? Like, I just never buy games yeah, at full like, price anymore. Tears of the Kingdom came out at $70 and is still... $70. Yeah, I think when the Switch originally came out, they were like $59.99, but slowly over the last couple of years, some of them are releasing at like 70 bucks. Yeah, let's talk about inflation. Which I think that's happening on PlayStation and Xbox as well. Oh, yeah. Well, PS5 is... Expensive. Yeah, PS5 is 70 I know that. I assume Xbox is 70 kind of just in keeping with, with PlayStation. I thought the Switch was still hanging out at 60 like like the good old boys that they are. Um. There are some, like, I will say Nintendo is more apt. So, like, although I guess Sony did the same thing. I was going to say Nintendo is more apt to have, like, smaller games at a lower price point. Like, every now and then they'll they'll drop a, a shorter game for 30 bucks. But I was going to say, you know, nobody else does that. And Sony did that with Spider-Man Miles Morales. So, I don't know. My problem with, with expensive games just in general is nothing. Because for most consoles they go cheaper over time and you're just not day one my problem with this for nintendo is they do not lower prices ever well that's what, ever, I, was, ever. That's what I was just gonna say is you know mario kart because i looked at mario kart just now it's 60 dollars, and i think it's just been 60 dollars since the beginning of time they're they're triple a titles they come out they never lower price ever like like you said it just never happens so at some point the games were $60, but I, you're, I'm sure you're right that since then they've been like, all right, $70 because people will pay for to pay that for Tears of the Kingdom. Um, my initial, like my gut feel is to initially go, ew, whenever I see games at $70. Yeah. But we also have to remember, if you go back to the Xbox 360 era, which is now over a decade ago, games were selling for $60. Bucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There- so I mean... The, the amount of games, like, games are bigger now. They're better fidelity. There's more features. Like, we have games that are hundreds of hours, which you could never even imagine having, except for, like, Skyrim or something like that. Like, most Xbox 360 games that I'm thinking of were, like, 15-hour playtime max. Like, you had your Mass Effects, you had your Skyrims that ran a little bit longer, or a lot a bit longer, but the majority of games capped under 20 hours, and now a short game is the anomaly. So... To in the last like decade to have games only go up ten bucks, that's not the worst, I guess. Well, it still feels icky, but like it. What also feels icky? I mean, it feels icky the other way too, because the implication is, like you said, games have only gone up ten dollars in price, and because of how much more we're getting per game now, it probably means that the people who are making these games are like really being worked to the bone, and I don't, I don't love that, but like. Yeah. Th- well, that's when you hear about, you know, crunch culture and right. crazy layoffs, which I think 2023 was, I want to say, confirmed to be the worst video game industry layoff year ever. I could believe that. Just sad. Yeah. I mean, it's, 
I think the point you're making is that like as a value proposition, you know, gamers are still making out like bandits. I mean, you think about like going to see a movie that's going to provide you, you know, two hours worth of entertainment and you're paying like over $10 for a ticket for what the entertainment that games can provide you. You're getting so much more like the only thing that probably beats it in terms of entertainment value is probably books. But like, I don't know, you like you were saying, like $70 sounds icky. I as I've mentioned many times on the podcast, like I'm always, a, you know, at least a few years behind. So like, I always get games on the cheap. Like I'm playing God of War 2018 right now, which like, it's great. <laughs> um, that happened to cost me free 99 because you're letting me borrow it. But like the point being, I think when I played the last of us, I got the deluxe edition for like 20 bucks or something. So if you're willing to be patient, you know, obviously you do just fine. Obviously certain games, you're not willing to be patient and you can break the bank a little bit. But getting back to the Switch 2, I mean, the other thing they mentioned, I want your I want your guys' take on this because I'm pretty sure the statement is correct, but it specifically mentioned that it's going to remain a console with handheld capability. And I want to read this, and it's a quote. Quote, and because there is Pokemon, and Pokemon is associated with handheld gaming, there is no way on earth Nintendo will drop the portability feature for their next big thing. End quote. Now... Do you, I think that's fair. Do you well, do you agree that it's Pokemon is inseparable from the handheld mode of gaming? Because I I have no horse I in do. the race. Like I I don't play Pokemon. So I do think it is inseparable. Once they put you know games like Scarlet Violet, Scarlet and Violet, and Legend of Arceus on the Switch, yes, it made it now have to remain a handheld console. But it's not to say that Nintendo can't just have a stationary console, right? We look at things like the Wii. We look at things like the GameCube. They've done it. But what did you notice? Pokemon was not really on those consoles as right. the standard game that we know it to be. I guess. I think what? that if they split off into multiple devices, like if you had a handheld and then you had a home console, I think you're just bastardizing your sales. I don't think we live in a day and age anymore where you have people who are going to necessarily buy both of those unless you're talking about the adult consumer crowd. But like I look at people like my nephew who is under 10 years old and they have the dock and I don't think I've ever seen him put it in the dock. Well, here's the other side of it too though. I don't think though that they're even limited by power anymore because like i'm sitting here next to my steam deck and it can run more powerful games than pokemon so as long as i jack up the features and the processors and the graphics card which now we know handhelds can do like i don't see a reason why they have to limit themselves and not have handheld mode i think that sets them apart from the other two major console players at the moment well so that's certainly true i i want to go back to pokemon though i mean why is why is that i'm not saying you're wrong because you're definitely not it's the answer i was expecting but like what made pokemon synonymous with handheld gaming is it just a matter of tradition and the fact that like when red and blue came out it was a game boy thing and it just forever will remain because its intent is literally to have the kids sit quietly on the couch right and so and the parents can watch their shows and that works and in families and things like that obviously you know, we play Switch on the TV TV because we're gangsters, but like... You are gangsters, it's true. Yeah. But like it allows that that flexibility. The other thing that I wanted to mention, though, with regards to, you know, having the dedicated console is they did the inverse of this, right? With the Switch Lite. And frankly, I take I take issue with, with some of the, the, the features that the Switch Lite offers because it doesn't have the Joy-Cons 
and it's at a cheaper price point, you're basically kind of gatekeeping a lot of other move type games because you want the cheaper Switch instead of getting the big one. And I think that stinks. So you got to have what you've introduced to the Switch and just level up. Yeah. And also to swing back around to Pokemon, I think what makes it a little bit more synonymous with handheld is the type of gameplay. I think turn-based gameplay lends itself a little bit better to handheld play. I guess even like yeah, you can have action games on a handheld device like my Steam Deck. I've played very high fidelity action adventure type games. Obviously, on the Switch, you can play the same. But there's something about a smaller screen and having a. I don't want to say less graphically intensive because the new Pokemon games look nicer, but like the turn based, almost simpler gameplay loop is just a little bit more manageable and handheld. I guess I just I don't disagree with any of that. I'm sure the type of game that it is is a big part of it. But like, I guess my point is I don't see why Pokemon can't be equally as successful in like not a handheld mode. And it seems like that's what's being implied here. That part I don't agree with. I agree with, you know, the correlation. I just don't know that it has to exist, I guess is my point. But I mean, I did play the last couple Pokemon games on my TV. Right, and you were fine. You you live you live and breathe here today. It was great. It didn't it didn't hit as good though when you undocked. It was like, mm, you know what I'm saying? I don't think I ever played it undocked. I can't remember playing it undocked. Maybe I did. I don't know. I mean, there's I did. The, He's saying I did. Yeah, so did. either way, there's no doubt that it remains, as you said, it remains the thing that differentiates them from the other consoles on the market, and I think that's to its credit. You know, I, certainly we've talked about it many times before. It hasn't changed. Like the Switch is simply catering to a different market, um, and they're doing so very well. So I would think they're going to continue to do so. Um, and you got me thinking about the Switch Lite now. Like I, I remember when the Switch Lite dropped. I really wanted one. I, I just I loved the idea of it, even though it was limiting. I don't know. They must have really marketed it really well because I remember being like, "That's so cool." And it's like when you think about it now, literally it's like not everyone. That cool. Everyone that bought it was like, I could play Animal Crossing. <laughs> that was like yeah. its main driver in sales was Animal Crossing at the time. Yeah, definitely kismet in that sense. Um, I'm certainly happy with my full-size Switch. Um, yeah, Switch 2. I, I, we want to know from you guys, what do you want from the Switch 2 that the Switch 1 doesn't have? Uh, let us know. Uh, at OW86 is my handle on Twitter. We have at OWTactic, at OWNerdBomber, and our main show account at online warriors one uh also let us know you know what you don't want the new switch to do or what you don't care about it doing you know i think there's a lot of people who if they came out with a new switch and they were like it's basically the same thing with better graphics people would be like yeah yeah let's go like it's been seven years i think we're probably at the point where people are waiting for a new one and they're gonna have the money to plunk down for a new one um the other major question about we haven't really talked about what are they going to pair with it as a console release and it had better not be metroid i'm gonna be pissed oh man i'm gonna lose it i would be mad if that happened joking aside um because i've been waiting I for so long and they're you. gonna make me buy a new one so here here's a question for you so i know like when the playstation 5 came out and you're firmly in like the the playstation boy camp i don't know why i said it like that but like me neither you happened into a xbox series x which you ended up getting rid of it was the Xbox you One. You waited? Actually. But oh, really? It was. That's right. Okay, yeah. yeah. You happened into the Xbox One, you got rid of. The PlayStation 5, you waited a little bit to get one. I did. Would the Switch, if it released with Metroid, 
be a day one buy or would you still wait? I would still wait, but I would be really angry. <laughs> That's I would wait. I would definitely wait. Okay. Um, but it's I'm trying to see like what your breaking point is. Like what is the hardware and what is the game that will make you like run out to stores day one and buy it? I appreciate that question. Um boy, if it if And if, to some there may not be any like there may not be a breaking point. Yeah. But like there for for some, like for example, if there was a new console that was paired with the next Mass Effect with this is important, with like Commander Shepard. You best believe, sorry, Tactic, I would be You're waiting in line, getting out my credit card and waiting in line. Yeah. And like, we already have all the consoles. I don't know. I think it would need to have something that really makes it st- a step above. Like, for example, there's been parallels drawn to the 3DS. Well, if this switch has like a dual screen or like Dude, a no. large square display, sure, that would be something neat, something new that no. as, if it's just like, hey, our graphics are slightly better here, give me $400, they could fuck right off. Can we all stop pretending right now that the 3DS, like, did anybody ever use the 3D capabilities? Like, after a while, you turn that stuff off because it hurt your eyeballs. I wasn't... Okay, fine. The DS is a bad example. I was pointing specifically towards the dual screen. It was fine. How often did you really use it? And really, it's not so much the dual screen as used for button. I meant more like a big, like... Novelty factor. You know the, the... Yes, like a, like a novelty. Like we have cell phones now that have a folding screen. Can they make a folding screen where you have a full-sized right. screen? A leap forward in capability. You know, things like that. Is what you're looking for. I mean, yeah, that's the other thing, element of this discussion too is like as a as a Switch user that I like, I, I use it on a semi-regular basis. I have that's like, like your favorite, I would say, console in your library of consoles, right? 100%. Per- well, like the one that you yeah. you more often gravitate towards. That's correct. My library of consoles right now, to be clear, is the Switch and the PS5. And yeah, I gravitate towards the Switch much more. And like... You have a PS4. I have a PS4. I, don't, I haven't played that thing in a long time. Um, but like... You also... Don't you still have your 360? Give yourself... Well, okay, yeah. I have have a, a we can go all the way back to GameCube if you want. Like, I have all that stuff. Um, I just like... My point is... I don't have any problem with the Switch right now. As I use it, and at the frequency and duration that I use it, like, it's perfect. So, like, I'm not... It would have to be something really, really eye-popping, kind of like Tactics saying, for me to be like, okay, I need to get the Switch to ASAP because it's going to raise my gaming quality of life that much more. Um, I don't even... I can't imagine what that would be considering what the Switch does for me. Um, I'm sure there's something, but, like, I can't think of it right now. Um... But yeah, if they if they drop Metroid Prime Four with the Switch Two, I'm gonna go nuclear. It's not gonna be good for anybody. But uh, let's not think about that now. Let's move on to uh, let's move on to The Last of Us. Speaking of video games, uh, as we mentioned at the top of the show, Nick Offerman uh, managed to win. Now, first of all, this is not the topic, but it really it really uh, grinds my beans. When they give a they give out awards, so he won this award, I believe, on Saturday night, because it this his award did not make the show, the actual show, because they had to make time for Joe Coy to like make the worst jokes. This is this is oh my god, the I worst saw thing about award shows. Like, uh, someone compiled his like quote unquote best worst jokes from his monologue. Awful, terrible. None of them hit. If you listeners if 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 you if there's a listener out there who is showing up to the golden globes to watch some hack do jokes i would like to have a word with you and it's not going to be pleasant for you like 
who wants who wants that? I'm sorry, I just have to soapbox in this one. No one's ever wanted that. Or if they did, it was like 20 years ago. We're over it. We just want to see the awards. That's all I care about. And I think that's anyone else I know. That's all I care about. Like, it just drives me nuts. So he got shunted into Saturday night and picked up his Emmy award. Sorry. Or no, this was, I'm confused now. This was an Emmy. So it was an Emmy and the Golden Globes were yesterday. So the Emmys haven't happened yet. The point still stands. He got shunted out of the main Emmys show. Um, won this award, which is very well deserved. His first ever Emmy, which is weird because you would think he would have won for Parks and Rec. Um, for Outstanding Guest Actor in a Drama Series. And he was asked uh, if this is the end of Bill. Now, first of all, I hate that question. Like, a lot. Um, and I, I think we're all going to be on the same page about this. I know Nerd Bomber specifically picked this topic so she could rage. Is that a... Nerd Bomber, is that a fair... Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, th- just asking that question, regardless of what his answer is, which we'll get to in a second, it's a shitty question. Um, and it, it, it flies in the face of what he as an actor is trying to do and what the show is trying to do. That's, that's what I would argue. The show, this episode of this show, the goal was to create a self-contained story that was, you know, emotionally heartbreaking and powerful and had staying power as a self-contained vignette in the world of the story, the broader story of the show. The goal of that episode was not to be like, hey, these characters are great. You want to see more of them? That was the exact opposite of what the goal of that episode was. So for them to say, hey, come on, let's uh, let's do more. I just, I think that's the worst thing. And like, you know, I'll, I'll, read, like, I'll read what Nick said before we get further into okay. it. Because like, there's a chance he was playing coy with it just to kind of like give these people something and he doesn't really want to do it. We can analyze that later. But anyways, quote, it certainly has been pitched. I think we pitched a whole mini series of a prequel of their lives before they meet each other. It could be a musical. I think he said that as a joke. Uh, but then he also said, quote, we're not short on ideas. We'll just see what Craig Mazin and Neil Druckmann come up with. End quote. So, yeah, yeah. Knowing, knowing his sense of humor, he was totally being tongue in cheek. And well, about the musical, the musical part, part, sure, definitely. but I, I think with, with all of it, it, it I don't if, know it, about that. if I had been asked the same question, I would have said, absolutely not. Bill and Frank live in all of us, and so they're always going to be a part of us. And then I would have walked away. <laughs> but I don't, I don't know, like being so explicit, saying that, you know, they've, it's been pitched, they've talked about it. <sighs> I, I feel like there's some credibility there. And I hate it. Well, it, I hate it so much. It's interesting because I think in the Hollywood of five or 10 years ago, if you read this, you'd be like, that is a joke. But like with how things have evolved, you know, considering what the MCU did to the rest of the industry, like we can't treat things like this as a joke anymore. And like, yeah, I, Nerd Bomber, I know you wanted to bring up The Walking Dead specifically too. Like, I think they well, the fell down Dead, this like, hole and it, they never came out. They shot themselves in the foot. I mean, Beyond the fact that the show introduced too many characters, killed off too many beloved, like, original characters, and just became, like, a shell of itself, like, it went on way too long, then they started having all of these spinoffs, and who was watching them? I literally don't know a single person, and I would say, Tactic and I were, like, diehard The Walking Dead fans when the show- For a while. Yeah, for a while. Like, we hung on for a while. Even when it was getting bad, we were like, well, we gotta see this through, you know? The spinoffs- terrible and i don't know a single person who watched them but people and but people did like 
I don't know if that's true. On basic cable, not basic cable, but like on cable, I, that's I, that's the differentiation. I, I think it make killed. Here. It's it. I think it killed AMC's credibility at the time. AMC, if you look back, AMC was becoming a powerhouse. They had Breaking Bad. They had The Walking Dead. There were a slew of other shows and franchises that they were starting around that time. And then they went all in on The Walking Dead and basically made way too much Walking Dead programming. A lot of it was just bad spinoffs. And what like do you know any amc show that is on right now well let me just i i my theory is that it killed amc's credibility as a maker of good television so fear the walking dead which i believe was the first spinoff it ran for eight seasons um shows that are not successful do not run for eight seasons and by by successful i mean puts asses in the seats and makes the network money i'm sure people were watching this show i agree with you i agree entirely with what you're saying um, I'm sure this show was crappy relative to the original. I'm sure it shouldn't have been made, but the bottom line is there are people out there who are like, who were just salivating for more content. They didn't care what it was. And they sat down and watched this. Um, I don't know though. Like I think the fact that that was on cable and this is on HBO, I think that might play a pretty big role in like, I don't know that HBO spinoffs happen very much. And I don't know that they would be successful. I mean, I guess, the obvious example of one that currently is is house of the dragon but that feels pretty i think specifically like i don't know game of thrones and that so had amazing. a lot of dead time between the end of game of thrones and the start of the spinoff like there was a lot of time for people to digest and there was still demand for game of thrones i don't want to just go ahead and poo 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 all over this because I think there is one way where we can have Bill and Frank come back in some fashion. And it's by leveraging what truly makes this show great. And that is these micro episodes. You can have them come back for various other micro episodes where, you know, there were other characters that they cross paths with. And then it feeds into still a greater story. But it cannot be a standalone spinoff show. I think I the only spinoff show that I want to see from The Last of Us is a small mini series of capsule episodes. That's it. I don't think, and one of the things that's very interesting to me about The Last of Us is that for most of the characters, the development that you care about and the storytelling that you care about is all stuff that happens for the most part after the zombie apocalypse has taken over you know Mm -hmm. i don't really care about seeing these characters like i don't want to see the weird bunker guy because he wasn't really even interesting until he met his partner and i don't want to see some dude wandering around. i thought i thought he was plenty interesting interesting for like the 10 minutes that we were introduced to him in that state but could that sustain an entire prologue like uh, an entire season i don't think you could get anything out of that what a dude just sitting in his house walking around in silence checking his territory like what so it is worth noting that you know uh, i mentioned an anthology series kind of in the in the last of us universe the walking dead also did that and i know we talked about this on the podcast i remember very vividly tales of the walking Mm dead um one of the reasons i remember is because terry cruz is in one of the episodes um it was six episodes limited series that came out. It sounds like they may make more of these, which I guess shouldn't be surprising considering what we're talking about. Um, I do think that it's, 
I, I like the idea. Well, I don't dislike the idea of working the character into future episodes in these micro stories that you mentioned, Technic. I don't really know in the case of Bill or Frank how that would look or how that would happen, you know, because of what you guys were saying about like, who do people want to see the before times in this universe really that much? If, if you're me, I'm more concerned with what's happening in the now. Um, I just, yeah, I desperately do not want them to be like, oh, the adventures of, of Bill and Frank in the Last of Us universe. I don't even know what the show would be called. What would it be called? I like what you said, the adventures of, because it, it, it gives homage to the, the adventures of Bill and Ted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I doubt that. There might be some copyright issues there. I just, yeah, like this, this is sad for sure. But my point is, you can have them pop up here and there. If, like I said, as as a as a means to introducing other characters, right? He couldn't. They couldn't have been the only ones to go through Bill's Bill and Frank's area, right? So there had to have been more people that passed by, maybe caused trouble. Maybe there's even perspective of the the people that were trying to loot his area, right? So there there is other spinoffs where you can do it, where you can bring them back, but it. It, well, yeah, but, I think they've exhausted their story arc. Yeah, here's another element of this: is like you're, you're talking about establishing crossover characters and bigger things. That the bottom line is this: the the basic story of Bill and Frank had source material. Was it was it greatly embellished? Yes, but like there was a nugget of an idea within the original game. If you introduce a bunch more much... characters, then you're 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 diluting that, and you're moving away from what made the show so good in its first season. I think, like, it just I don't know. You're taking away from what I the great stories that exist Absolutely. already. I just don't know why you would do that. You know, and there's much better content to pull from. I mean, like, I think for me, I think a huge miss of stories that we got like kernels about when we played the game was like the hospital at the end, right? They could have did a backstory on how they got to just be so accepting of what they were doing there, right? You don't just go, well, let's just start chopping. You know, mm-hmm. you, there's 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 an arc there. And that was an opportunity, I think, that they missed to, you could have started to empathize with the, quote, villain if they put a backstory on those people, right? Or even, like, give me a bottle episode about one of the fireflies and how like i know we kind of see ellie in like firefly training not firefly training um well like yeah she's with the fireflies yeah, she, she, but like i want to see a non related to the direct story person you know somebody that you see in the game but who really isn't like that pivotal player like they are people in this universe and like give me a little bit of a story about them too so i do think that and you know without getting into specifics um there are elements of what you guys have have both just said. You, neither of you have played the second game yet. Um, no, the sec- it's on the deck. The second game gives you a lot. It gives you some of that. I think. I think there's, and that's the other thing about this too, is that like they're talking about doing spinoffs. You you can really open up the throttle on the second season, and if you want to do spinoffs and like really act on a bunch more characters at once, you'll get the opportunity to do that. But like these characters that were in the first game, leave them be. Like the cast that shows up in the second season, as you will see uh, when you either when you play the game or when you watch the show, like there's opportunity to delve into some of the questions you guys just asked and to expand the field of characters that can interact with one another. Which maybe is what if you really must have Nick Offerman put a wig on him and say he's a different character. Yeah, it's an option. Um, or just go back and watch 
uh, reruns of Parks and Rec for the millionth time, like I often do. Uh, either way, don't ask for a Bill and Frank standalone. I hate. I just hate this idea so much. Um, and I know that you do too, Nerd Bomber. Tactic, you seem you're more forgiving than I than I want you to be. I'm gonna be honest. Oh no, I'm I'm a hundred percent anti. But if they want to like give give the you know be fan servicey, there's ways to do it without destroying what they've done. Completely agreed. Um, and you know they've already delivered a lot of fan service too. Like I guess I guess what you mean is fan service for the fans of the TV show, not the game. But like, yeah, it's it, it's a it's a symptom of the recent Hollywood cancer of like if a story is good, just let it be good and move on to the next thing. Don't try and milk it. Because milking stuff is gross. If there's one thing I could leave leave you with, it's that milking stuff is gross. Uh, so that brings us to the to the midpoint of the episode. This is the point in the show where I do what I always do, which is shout out our fantastic Patreon producer, Mr. Stephen Keller. Stephen's been with the show for a while. He's been supporting us at the highest of our three levels on our Patreon. As a result, he gets this producer shout out every episode he gets input into the weekly game segment which unbelievably i'm hosting this week he gets access to the monthly secret segment and vlog of course and he gets the occasional guest spot on the show he gets all of these things as a night level subscriber on our patreon there's also a squire level of support which gets you access to the monthly secret segment and vlog and a page level which gets you access to the monthly secret segment for the details on any and all of those levels of support, you can head over to patreon.com slash online warriors podcast. Get the details there. Say hi to us. Say hi to Steven. Consider giving back to this show that you've hopefully been listening to for a long time now. Uh, so thanks again to Steven. We'll take a short break before coming back to talk about the Readyverse, and I will explain what that means. But before that, here's a word from another podcast. Hi, I'm Kevin DeCristofano. And I'm Sean Flanagan. And we are the Ninja Turtle Nerds, your weekly podcast covering the Ninja Turtle comic book series one issue at a time. Plus the video games, the cartoon show, the VHS tapes. If it's Ninja Turtles, we'll cover it. Ninja Turtle Nerds is available wherever you get your podcast. All right, welcome back. We're going to talk about the Readyverse. Now, first of all, did you guys watch Ready Player One? We all read the book, I believe. Or at least I know Nerdbomber and I did. Tactic, did you also read it? Uh, yes. Um, did you watch the movie? Uh, yes. Did you fall asleep during the movie like I did? Uh, no. Okay. Um, I fell asleep during this movie. Let me start by saying that. Um, but I did read the book in its entirety. Didn't fall asleep during that. Or if I did, I, when I woke back up, I continued where I left off. That's the great thing about books. Um, so the news here, Futureverse, which first of all, amazing company name. It's a 10 out of 10 for me. Love that name. It's a leading AI and metaverse technology and content company. Um, they announced that they are forming Readyverse Studios. Uh, so this is being formed in conjunction with Ernest Klein, who is the author of Ready Player One and Dan Farah, who was Ready Player One film producer the idea is it seems like to basically make the oasis i don't know if that's that might be overstating it a bit but um the readyverse is described as and i'm quoting now a dynamic interactive platform of interconnected digital experiences so they've partnered with warner brothers discovery to exclusively bring the ready player one franchise to the metaverse across web3 um they're maintaining exclusive web3 rights to all future ips from the legendary futurist ernest klein 
additional brands and franchises will be joining the Readyverse soon. So for those who have not seen Ready Player One, the Oasis is basically this digital world in which many, many IPs can exist at once. <laughs> um, I mean, is that, uh, that may be an oversimplification of what it is. Um, not knowing much about what the future verse does uh, and what the ready verse will do. I don't, I don't know. Like this seems kind of cool, but uh, the main thing I've seen, it seems like exactly what the book was warning us against though. Yes. No? Yes. So that the main point of feedback I've seen on this is, and mostly it's, you know, it's showing this as an example, but also saying that this happens constantly in tech, in the tech field, which it does which is like companies come forward and basically say like we've created the panopticon thing from this book that says don't create it but we have it now and look how cool it is like it seems like that's happening a lot um i mean there are countless pieces of media black mirror and many other things that are basically like hey technology past a certain point is bad and yeah what so i get that this is different because it's vr but like I'm going to just throw some what ifs. Yeah, but the world in Ready Player One was VR. Well, let me finish what I'm saying and then you know okay. what I'm saying. Okay. Okay. But like, let's say you have all these different IPs, right, in this this large this large area. Let's, for, for argument's sake, let's call it a battlefield, right? And then like, what if you can like shoot the other people and like do like a battle royale kind of thing with all these different IPs? Wouldn't that be crazy? It's called Fortnite. So like, we're already like basically there with some other games the only thing is it's not vr so like who's asking for this and I mean, if people want that kind of experience they can just play that i would argue that this already kind of exists because big daddy zuck made it too. horizon worlds or whatever meta horizon it, it's not quite the same obviously you don't really have the power of ips but if any of you have ever dabbled in it it's basically this open world like you can make environments you can make games you can build sculptures you can hold concerts like they're already kind of doing this now there's going to be like competing worlds can i just say uh, i don't know. the term meta is doing so much heavy lifting these days it must be exhausted that word like well meta is the brand in this case the the, the vr world i'm referring to is, is meta, meta companies yeah. horizon vr or whatever I, horizon worlds i but. the thing about and like ready player one i really enjoyed the book don't get me wrong it's a great like treasure hunt situation there's a you could poke a lot of holes in like take take for example what tactic said oh there's a battlefield and you can be any character and you can do anything and fight other people how do you there's such thing as a good structure to a game and like i don't know rules like there are certain fictional characters that if you can realize them and be them in this future ver or this ready verse, you're just too powerful for anyone else to kill you. So assuming it's like a combat based game, I guess we're kind of jumping, you know, a couple, a couple of steps here, but like you, you, at some point you have to hem it in. So like, I, I think it's very nice from an investor standpoint to basically say, Hey, we're making the thing from ready player one. Anyone can be anything. It's this amazing digital universe in which there's a million IPs and everyone can have a good time. And if you want to be more powerful, you pay more money. Well, there's that. And capitalism. But there, there's, there's that, but there's also, like, at some point, you know, the Oasis was fictional, and, like, it wouldn't be... I don't think it would be a sustainable environment for people to, like, go and enjoy themselves, because people would ruin it. And, like, 
if there weren't a set of basic rules on how it would work and like if there weren't restrictions on things you could realize it just wouldn't work like that that's the other thing that i think this is really cool like corporate speak of like look at what we're doing you guys all saw the movie right that was awesome it's like well it's not going to be that awesome when it all crumbles around you um i don't know I, maybe Futureverse knows more than i do um but like we were saying before it's like one of the points of ready player one is like hey the oasis kind of sucks and like you should exist outside of it it's cool to exist outside of it and now this tech company is like it's only cool to exist inside of it so yeah i don't know and like credit to like the people of the world for kind of seeing right through that like when this news dropped like i said people were like yeah this seems really crappy why would they do this <laughs> um there's one of the things i struggle with with vr in general like vr technology is super cool don't get me wrong like we own two different vr headsets their technology still has a long way to go but like what you can do with it is fairly neat like i have attended a fake concert in horizon world and it, like it wasn't like being there i'm just gonna be honest with you it was not the same but it was a neat experience i don't think though anything like trying to prompt you to spend most of your time in a VR headset is just healthy. Well, I think there's a difference between video games on a flat static screen and like the idea that we should be building these universes where we come home from work and then all of our time outside of, you know, our jobs is just in a VR headset. I think that's just so that it's, it really like screams dystopian nightmare. I mean, we're there, right? Too. Um, like, we're not. We're I mean, not there. All yet. of these things, we're there. It's just doom scrolling instead of VR headset. But I can doom scroll and have real life in my periphery. Right. It's it's a matter of because I, I the other component here in in conjunction with VR is AI and like we know there's a lot of conversation going on surrounding AI right now and rightfully so about like how dangerous it can be. If you combine those two things, you're you're really talking about redefining what reality is for people or for all people you know it, it, when this technology gets to a certain level of good then is the real world the real world or is the oasis slash ready verse the real world if you leave it up for people to decide some people will choose the ready verse and then where where are you you know like it's it's i'm not saying we're at the doorstep of that there's a lot of techno technological advances that have to happen before we re we get there but like this is the latest cobblestone on the road that leads there it feels it feels like we're trending towards the conversation of if a civilization is advanced enough to make a simulation that is so advanced that the people in the simulation don't know they're in the simulation then how do you not know that you yourself is not in a simulation which that's where it feels like we're trending towards which is, yeah it's and it sounds like you've maybe given this some thought before have you ever heard that? Oh, this that, is a simulation. You think we're in a simulation this is right 100%, now? 100%. 150%. What makes you... Let's just set the topic aside for a second, because I think we're basically done with that anyways. What makes you feel that way? Too many glitches. Okay. Um, you mean like miracles? Would you consider a miracle to be a glitch? No, 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 no. Glitches. Uh, duplications, as well as there's this sense that the world is against me and it's this overwhelming sense that it it can't it, like it can't just be natural it it has to be programmed interesting um i do not think the world is a simulation let me just 
state my opinion. I'm not going to like fight you on this. It's um, a second Cuban bet. Like a Cuban sandwich. Ner- Cubano, if I may. Yeah. When one of us wins this bet, I'm sure we'll be in a position to buy the other a Cuban sandwich. Uh, Nerd Bobber, where do you fall on this? If you don't mind my asking, it's a personal question, but do you think we're in a we're, simulation? We're not in a simulation. I don't, think we're, I don't think we're in a simulation. Like, I think it would be cool to find out that we are. Also, maybe like terrifying and panic and do. Would it, it would be panic and do. Would it be cool? I think it would probably be. Pa- I feel like I'd have an anxiety attack. Yeah, but I, I mean, come on. I've, I would I've seen the Matrix. Just embrace it. And then, yeah, I just go full Neo. I'd be like, oh, okay. Let me open up the command prompt right quick. Right, exactly. Um, I don't think we're in a simulation. Um, I've heard other podcasters talk about, like, <laughs> there's this one guy I listened to. He basically says, like, he thinks the secret to realizing that you're in the or to like getting out of the simulation is realizing that you're in the simulation and like doing something to prove to the creators that you truly know that you are in a simulation. So, tactic, if you want to get out, you just need to prove to the code overlords that you know that you're in a simulation because it seems like you know. But then we need to find a third co-host. No, no, but that's so, that's the thing. Oh, no, no, no. He'd still be here, but it wouldn't actually be him. It would be like a bot. And maybe he's already done it that. Reset. Maybe he's already reset. Maybe he's already out. Maybe we're not even talking to the real tactic. The one that you met and married, maybe like three years ago, he realized I'm in a simulation. Remember, Popped I out. didn't have back hair when you married me. This is the reset. Okay, gross. All right. Um. Anyways, yeah, the Readyverse, uh, you know, not on the immediate horizon, but apparently it's coming. So if you were a fan of Ready Player One or Ready Player Two, which I never read, um, Maybe consider giving it a look if you're up on what the future verse has got going on. It's time for What Are You Up To Wednesday. This is the part of the show where we talk. What are you up to Wednesday? It's, it's been a while for us in the jingle. I, I thought it had gone the way of the dodo, but it seems like it's back and I'm happy for it. It depends on how I'm feeling that day. Gotta be honest. Well, you're feeling good today, apparently. Um, I'm going to go first today because I have what I think is a, a very exciting update. Maybe not for you guys, but I think just for the world. Um, Horseradish cheese. You, is that your no. your epiphany? No, you, you guys know that I'm a Christmas guy. I, maybe you know that. I don't know. I think Tactic and, and Nerbomber know that. Maybe the listeners don't. I'm a Christmas guy, you know? I'm into Christmas. I'm also into movies. They call him St. Nick. They call me St. Nick. I'm also into movies. Um, and in particular, like, I pay attention to, like, the Oscars every year. And, like, I like to try and watch a lot of the movies that are up for Oscars. Or Golden Globes. Uh, one of the movies that's been talked about a lot uh, came out, I believe, in October. It is a, ostensibly a Christmas movie, although Alexander Payne takes issue with that characterization. It's a movie called The Holdovers. Uh, this is a movie directed by Alexander Payne, who I just mentioned, starring Paul Giamatti, Dominic Sessa, and uh, Divine Joy Randolph. Um, it's a drama Oh, okay. It says it's a comedy, but it's a drama. Let me start by saying that. It's really good. I watched that over the weekend. Um, They're saying it might win Best Picture, at least will be nominated. I think it's fantastic. I don't know if I've watched enough movies from this year yet to say whether it will win. I think it's going to win Best Picture, but I haven't seen many of the uh, other movies that are up for Best Picture. In fact, the Best Picture list hasn't even come out yet, but The Holdover is going to be on there. I thought it was great. It was funny. But in a very poignant way, it's a very sad movie. Um, but I like a sad movie every once in a while. It kind of reminded me a little bit of Marriage Story, which I really liked. And that came out like two or three years ago. Um, 
So definitely recommend. Just wanted to shout out that I started watching or I watched all of that. Um, and then I started watching a show. I don't know if I'm going to stick with it, though. It's a show called Love and Death. Uh, this is a show on HBO Max starring Elizabeth Olsen in which she has an affair with Jesse Plemons. And then somewhere along the line, someone dies. I don't think either one of them, I don't really remember the details. I think it might be Jesse Plemons' wife. Based on a true story, um, what I will say is they're both great. I'm only one episode in, so I don't know if I'm going to stick with the show yet, but pretty interesting so far. Um, Other than that, still playing God of War, but I'm not really going to get into that because I've talked about it a bunch. I think I'm getting close to the end, but it's a little bit hard to say just by the nature of the game. Um, so yeah, that kind of wraps things up for me. Um, which of you guys wants to go next? I don't usually ask, but I'll open the floor. I feel go. Tactic will go. Uh, so, okay. The floor so the main yours. thing I want to, the main thing I want to talk about is we started watching a show called Shorzy, which if you don't know what Shorzy is, um, it's sort of a spinoff show of Letterkenny. Uh, it's on Hulu, and there's this character in Later Letterkenny called Shorzy, and he's always just at the hockey rink giving people a hard time. And they made this whole show surrounding this hockey player that does exactly that. It gives people a hard time with the plot being his team's goal is to go completely undefeated and never lose to kind of boost up their hockey club and rally the fans is basically the whole premise of the show. And it's it's kind of dumb, but there's a lot of, like, fantastic one-liner jokes that, like, if you're looking for a, a mind-numbing laugh that just kind of helps you just not be miserable, that's... Helps you get through the simulation, you know? That's that's kind of what I'm after, and it's it's fantastic. So I recommend... Checking out Shorzy. I think it's better than the letter, the late the later seasons of Letter Kenny. There's a lot of lingerie shots though for no reason. Like if it focused a little bit more, like for my taste personally. Yeah, so it's kind of good. If it focused <laughs> more on the hockey aspect, like it's the hockey aspect of it is Okay, crying. so just to clar- clarify, Tactic is pro the lingerie shots, you are anti. I don't I, I try not to like stare. I like I like we eat dinner when we're watching this. So I'll be like, oh yeah, this is a good pizza, and look down. You know, I gotta have respect. You know, I'm a married right. man here. That's true. Last I checked, um, but yeah, I, I do agree with her. There is there is kind of like overkill of lingerie shots. It definitely knows their audience, I guess. Um, but overall, like I said, it's a dumb show. Easy laughs, entertaining. So I check it out. Easy laughs are great. Never a better time for easy laughs in the dark, cold, dead of winter. Cheers, man. Uh, anything else, or should we swing it over to Nerd Bomber to close us out? We can swing it over. Swing it over. Whip, whip. So I finished Spider-Man 2. I can't remember if I had finished it by last week's episode, but I did finish it, and it was very good, and it was solid. I started playing Stray, the kitty cat game. I'm not super far into that, though. So I maybe only have like 45 minutes and then it just got busy and we haven't gotten a chance to have a lot of video game time since then. But what I do love about Stray so far is that there is a meow button and you meow on command. And it's yeah, just so I mean, there, there's got to be a meow button. Otherwise, what are we even doing yeah. here? So 
so far, it's a very interesting aesthetic and world, and I'm interested to learn more. But 45 minutes in, I don't really know a whole lot about what's going on. I'm just a stray kitty cat in this like dystopian, dead-looking village that I've dropped into. So we'll report back as I get further into that. And then we also are you talking? Oh, are there like is it like puzzly? Because I remember this game. We talked about it when it was first. It is okay. Interesting. The beginning of the game right now it's a little bit more platformy than anything else. But from what I've heard and what I understand of the game is that it becomes like platformy puzzles and whatnot and things to solve. So is, I'm looking forward to it. Is cat traversal as fun as it sounds like it should be? And based on your 45 it, minutes, it is quite fun. Like I see a box and I can hop on said box and I'm like, yo, actually one of my favorite things so far, and this is like a very tertiary game mechanic. It hasn't, it really doesn't influence anything to do with the game. But if you get to like a, a grassy post or if you come across a carpet, you can actually like claw at it, you know, scratching post wise, but you use the adaptive triggers if you're playing on PlayStation 5 so you actually get like the force feedback as if you're actually like clawing the thing and it it's weirdly satisfying. It sounds like it would make Very me uncomfortable if anything. Um I You would think but like you have to embody the cat in you. Now how often when you're traversing this universe do you have to stop and eat something that you're not supposed to be eating? Cuz my cat does that all the time. He's trying to eat these fake plants in our house and we can't get him to stop. So if the game gives you any advice for how to deal with that, just let me know. I'll keep you posted. I haven't come across any fake plants to eat, but if I do, I'll keep you posted. And if you, I come up with any cat tips, we tried like this. I'll be in the mind of a cat. We, so. we tried this bitter cherry spray and we honestly might've made him want to eat the fake plants more. We're not sure. <laughs> so anyways. Then we also played a board game, Kingdom Hearts Perilous Pursuits, which is a very fun, very fun, mentally addicting, very difficult. So you guys know I'm obsessed with Kingdom Hearts and essentially the, the gist of this game is that it's a co-op game and you pick a character and each character, they have different abilities that come at different like ease levels. So you roll a dice and you have to basically ready up your attack or like shield or you can collect a card and each character, it takes different difficulty or different number of dice to activate that specific ability. So like Donald Duck in the game, he's a little bit more of a support character. So in order to attack with Donald Duck, you need to roll more dice than if you're just, you know, throwing up a shield. If you're, you know, Sora or Riku, who's a more attack minded character in the game, it's very easy to attack. But things like, you know, drawing card or distracting the heartless comes a little bit more difficultly. The point of the game is you work together cooperatively to try to free six worlds, Disney worlds, from the Heartless. And it is very fun. I really like the dice rolling mechanic. There, it, It's got like shades of Yahtzee where you roll dice and you can either like activate the different, you know, actions or you can like activate actions on your cooperative partner's board and there's, it, it's just very simple yet fun. And there's some strategy behind hard. it, but it is very difficult. They have made it very easy for the Heartless to win. And I think that might be a reason why it's also very addicting, though. Like, we have yet to win this game. And 
I think I'm just like stewing over why we can't win this game. And I think there are probably some modifiers that would make it a little bit more even, like house rules that we might eventually implement. But it is it is quite difficult. They do give, you know, the game the I, I don't want to call it the computer because this is a board game, but they give like the game player a big advantage over you. And it does make it hard. You can start the game and on your first turn lose. Yes. Mm -hmm. Before you got a chance to even build up your character attacks. So I think there's maybe some modifications and house rules that might be coming, but we've played it. Oh gosh. I don't know, like five different times, different combos of characters. And I'm probably not describing it super well, but it's basically a dice rolling strategy type game. And I don't know. I like it. I also like kingdom hearts. So there's that. And then the last quick note is we watched Dumb Money, which is the movie about the GameStop stonk debacle from, God, was that last year or the year before? I think it was 2021. And I don't remember for sure. It was quite good. I love Paul Dano. That guy, that guy rules. Um, I would, it was a good watch. I would recommend it. I wish I followed, like, I'm not mad about it because I didn't have enough shares in GameStop at the time, but I wish I, like, checked thought to, like i'm always on reddit for various like forums and things like that specifically like my interest like games game boys and coding and things like that but like i wish i just was like hey reddit what's going on with gamestop and like didn't think to do that instead i listened to you yeah you, you that was really stupid of you um never listen to me i hope you learned something um i didn't lose a lot of money like i said only probably about twelve hundred dollars but I also like uh, small amount of money. I like Shailene Woodley, not personally, but as an actress, I think she's good. I believe she's also in that movie. Um, she was. I will have to check that one out. That brings us to Quiztown, uh, and I'm the mayor of Quiztown this week. Uh, I'm one and zero. Nerd Bomber is zero and one. Technic is zero and zero. Stephen also zero and zero. Pretty fresh start here. Uh, we're in week two of this season. And I'm guaranteed to not lose again. So that's a pretty good feeling. Uh, the quiz topic this week is Isaac Asimov. Uh, for those that don't know about... You know that guy. Isaac, I, I, I just called him Isaac Asimov. For those that don't know about Isaac Asimov, you will learn about him over the next five numerical questions and potentially one bonus question. Um, all this Price is Right style, you know the drill. We're going to give Nerd Bomber the early advantage. So Tactic will go first since Nerd Bomber is 0-1. Uh, without further ado, when was Isaac Asimov born? Also, you get one plus one or an answer of one per quiz as per typical quiz rules. His stuff is considered like classic, but that doesn't really You don't, help. you remember, you go, you go second. Tactic goes first. Make sure you're not going to blurt an answer. Oh. Out. His stuff is considered classic. But that doesn't, but that doesn't really doesn't, help. That doesn't me. really help me. I'm going to say 1920. Jesus times. Just a brutal start for Nerd Bomber. Couldn't have been any worse. Really? No. He was born January 2nd, 1920. Shut your mouth. I am. I will leave my mouth open. Uh, Tactic off to a strong wasted. start. And yeah, that wasted my. You wasted oh, your one. That was crap. that was your Jesus times answer. That was a <laughs> absolutely brutal turn of events. 
uh, hopefully you can you can uh, claw your way back after that. Um, well, moving on, Nerbomber will go first for this question. Uh, one of the more recent Asimov pieces of media that's come out is a show called Foundation on Apple TV Plus. Um, I believe it was just renewed for its third season. What is the average tomato meter score for Foundation? So just across the entire show, ag- aggregating all episodes, what is its current critics' tomato meter score? I, mean, I know you love the tomato meter, Nerbomber, so I, I made sure you went first on this question. 87%. This was actually, this didn't do so well on the tomato meter as you'd think. This actually got only a 42. Oh boy. Our bomber was 86%. Uh, Shut up. So, Tactic gets another point. Um, Nerd Bomber's on the ropes, having the worst quiz of her life. I mean, it, it's, it's, this, at this point, that's about the state of things. Um, I'm going to try and give you... Play a scary game. I'm going to give you a softball here. No, Tactic goes first, but he's going to flub it. And it's going to be all yours. One of my favorite movies of the early 2000s, or as I like to call it, the Will Smith era of filmmaking. I, Robot is based on the works of Isaac Asimov, or at least inspired by What's the runtime of iRobot? You have to have seen this movie. It was on basic cable like a jillion times. What's the runtime in minutes of the hit 2004 Will Smith classic, iRobot? In minutes, you said? In minutes. This is 147 minutes. You think it's over two hours? No, the 90s were more reasonable. Although they weren't that reasonable, Titanic was a behemoth. Uh, 90 minutes. All right, you're on the board. I wish it was 147 minutes. That'd be awesome. I wanted more of that movie. It was 115 like it minutes. Was longer. It was almost two hours, which I agree that back in the early 2000s, that was a little bit on the long side, but it wasn't over two hours. Uh, movies over two hours were pretty rare. Like Titanic, I think, was a, a bit of a rarity. Well, because then you had to put them on multiple VHS tapes. Well, this was 2004, so DVDs were fully a thing. And in fact, I had the DVD for iRobot. When I was people were still collecting VHSs, right? Yeah, you realize we're older than you think we are. I have no idea if they. You're were. like, oh, back in the day, that was VHS. No, back in the day was DVDs. I remember specifically, and that's tangent, but like we had the Armageddon and Titanic VHS sets, and they were multiple VHS tapes. And those were both movies in the '90s. iRobot. We again, Shut we're we're, we're in the Will Smith era here. This was when DVDs came out. Okay, you're on the board though. That's the good news. So it's now th- uh, two to one. Uh, Isaac Asimov was particularly, uh, what's the word, prolific in his writing. How many short stories did he write? Short stories, a staple for any good science fiction writer. 69. Nice. 70. Tactic takes it home. He wrote 383. Mm. So I just wanted to say 69. Quite a few more. Yeah, I know it was. I just wanted to say seven. You had fun with it. I'll give you that. Uh, Tactic plays the strategy in the correct way. And as a result, he brings home the bacon, so to speak. Uh, I'll do my last question anyways, because it's my favorite one. Um, Isaac Clark, the protagonist from the video game Dead Space, who many of you may know is like my favorite game ever was named partially after Isaac Asimov. The last name Clark comes from Arthur C. Clark, also a big deal in the science fiction writing universe. 
In what year did Dead Space come out? This was 2007. You loved Dead Space <laughs> when I met you. <laughs> You're trying to back it out from me. I love I that. I am. I am. I, uh, I, nah. I'm going to say 2000, but I think that's wrong. Well, your perception of time needs some well he work. he kind of like locked in like he he he, he put me in a little bit of a corner he did there. he almost nailed it he, he couldn't plus one him so you weren't going to get it it was 2008 yeah. um but 2000 i mean we're, we're back in like the n64 or in 2000 i was trying well i knew i couldn't it was before a specific time but then it was a small window and it was either like plus one or plus two him which i Plus two feels dirty, so I didn't want to do that. So I was like, well... I mean, you could have. You still would have lost. I still would have lost. Well, then I was just hoping that maybe it was like the year before. So I was just giving myself a wide range. So Nerd Bomber, we'll start shopping a scary game for you to play. Uh, Tactic moves to 1-0. After you watch Hawkeye. After I watch Hawkeye. Tactic moves to 1-0. Uh, you moved to 0-2. I remain at 1-0. Steven at 0-0. And we'll pick this up next week with Tactic administering the quiz once again uh topic tbd by our patreon producers we want to thank you all again for joining us on this week's episode of the online warriors podcast if you liked what you listened to you can head over to apple Podcasts, leave us a review there hit us up on twitter at the handles mentioned earlier in the episode or head over to patreon patreon.com slash online warriors podcast consider giving back to the show and uh consider telling us what you think on any of those platforms We will see you all next week. In the meantime, stay safe. Keep on podcasting.